So we're in this series entitled Mythbusters, and I want to finish up the series today and, and bust a few more myths about the Holy Spirit. And, and last week we talked about, you know, the whole internet thing, Laurel and Yanny, and, and we went to the source. And when you find out the source, you, you get to know what the truth is. And remember the source was a, a dictionary translation. It was uh, vocabulary.com, right? Yeah. Where it lists the word Laurel. And there's this button you push, pronunciation key, and it, it pronounces Laurel, and it says, Laurel. And everybody's like, I hear Yanny, I don't know. But the, the reality is, the guy was saying Laurel. Sorry. I don't know what you're hearing. But you've got to go to the source. And I don't know if you've ever played the telephone game where you, you talk into somebody's ear and they tell it to somebody else and they tell it to somebody else and they tell it to somebody else. And you, you finally get to the end of the circle and what was said at the beginning sounds nothing like what was said at the end. But you go back to the source and you say, what did you really say? And he's like, well, I said Bob. <laughs> like, we came up with Fred. Okay, well, you didn't listen, or something happened in the translation, and, and you're, you, sometimes we get caught up in stuff. I was, I was reading my one-year Bible yesterday in, in our uh, reading plan for our life journal. In, in, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 8, it says, this is when uh, David's men were, were going after Absalom and his army, and, and it says in verse 8, the forest devoured more soldiers than the sword that day. And I was out mowing yesterday morning, and I'm riding and praying, just, just you know, talking to God and, and, and praying in the Spirit. And, and as I pray in the Spirit, many times God just drops things in my heart and reminded me of what I'd read that morning early. And, and I'm thinking, and, I, and I'm, I'm riding the, the riding mower, right? And I'm fighting these trees off. Anybody have those trees in your yard where you're like, oh, you're, you're oh, oh. and you're thinking, how, how's this body even moving those directions anymore, you know? And I was, as I was riding and fighting the trees off, I was reminded of this scripture. And I thought, how many people get all hung up? In, in fact, the next scripture says Absalom's head got caught in a tree. If, if you read that passage, he got caught in a tree, his head got stuck, and they came and killed him as he's hanging in the tree. And, and sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. And we get hung up on things that are, that are really not that big a deal. And when it comes down to the Holy Spirit, a lot of us are being killed by the forest. We're being hung up in a tree and we're thinking, what in the world? And so we miss what God has for us and we actually lose the life God wants us to have. And so we decided we're going to go back to the source, the word of God, and dispel some myths. And, and last week we looked at a few. How many were, were not here last week? Okay. So let me... Let it, 
If you have, have the opportunity sometime this week, go back and watch the uh, live stream. It will give you more information than what I will give you this morning. But myth number one, the Holy Spirit is kind of weird, so stay away. The fact of the matter is Jesus himself calls the Holy Spirit a good gift. Luke chapter 11, verse 11. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? <laughs> no. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, good gifts, notice he said good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? To those who what? Ask him. To those who ask him. And some of us have missed out on some gifts because we haven't asked. Some of us don't know that there is a good gift. But after this series, you'll know that there's a good gift for you. And, it, it, and, and the Holy Spirit is an incredible gift that God wants to give to you in full measure. Myth number two, it's not that big of a deal that I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit as a Christian. Fact, Jesus thought it was a huge deal. In fact, some of his last words to his disciples in Luke 24, verse 49, now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Don't go into this next season without the power covering you, clothing you, filling you. God's got something for you, and you're going to need this as you move into this next season of your life. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, lifting his hands to heaven. He blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem, where he said to stay, filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. We talked about last week the hunger and the obedience factor that you need and, and must have in order to receive the Holy Spirit's power. We read in, in Acts where over 500 people, Jesus appeared to them after he was resurrected, but only 120 of them found themselves in the upper room obeying what God asked them to do. They were the ones filled with the Holy Spirit and with power on the day of Pentecost. And I'll, I'll just be honest, I've been praying for a fresh hunger and a fresh thirst in this house for all that God has for us. I'm praying you get hungry. And not just your stomach starts to growl, but your spirit starts to growl. You say, I've got to have more of what God has for me. Amen? Anybody hungry today? Come on. I'm hungry for what God has for me. I've had my fill of what this world has to offer. And it doesn't satisfy. And you know that by now. You've tried a few things. Come on, somebody. You've tried a few things and you know there's no satisfaction there. There's only satisfaction in Jesus Christ and what he has for each and every one of us. So 
Myth number, where are we at? Three. I have all the Holy Spirit I need when I get saved. Fact, you have all of the Holy Spirit you need for salvation, but Jesus wants to immerse you, clothe you, fill you with his power so that you can speak what he wants you to speak and be his witnesses in his power, not in your power. You see, it's what happened to Peter on the day of Pentecost. Y'all know Peter's story. Insert open mouth, insert foot, right? It was, it was his repeated thing. He just did that. In fact, he was so weak in himself at times that he gave in to the pressure of the moment and went with his old ways rather than following what Jesus had for him. He even gave Jesus up. He's like, I don't know him. I've never seen him. Been with him three and a half years. Don't know the man. Really? Pete, come on, dude. Seriously. And then when God fills him with the Holy Spirit, he's in front of this massive crowd of people and they're laughing at him. They're going, you guys are drunk. Are you kidding me? What is this? And he stands up and starts preaching. Is this the same guy a few weeks ago? Really? But now, filled with the power of God, something shifted. He was filled with God's power. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 8. Where am I? Acts chapter 8. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria <coughs> had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. They've already accepted God's message. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers. They were already believers. What they pray for? For them to receive the Holy Spirit. Notice the next verse, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, these who? Believers. believers. And they received the Holy Spirit. They were already saved, but they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you tracking with me? This is the source. We're going to the source here. The word of the living God. And you'll also notice throughout scripture that many times when the, with the laying on of hands. Other times the spirit of God just fell on people. But most of the time there was the laying on of hands. And we will do that at the end of the service today for those of you who are hungry for all that God has for you. Myth. I don't have to speak in other tongues when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Fact, speaking in tongues is the outward, visible, biblical sign. We call it the initial physical evidence. It's not the only evidence that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's the initial physical evidence, and it's the biblical pattern. And I told you last week, wouldn't it be kind of cool if, if all we had to, whoop, got it. That was it. Ah, yep. He got it. Whoa. He got the Holy Spirit. Or how about this one? Really? Wow. Those things just went back and forth, didn't they? 
When I was younger, I couldn't do that. I remember my, my grandfather, <laughs> my grandfather, he had jowls that just hung, boy. It, it, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Anyway, I'm good. Chrissy's mom has what we call granny skin, and she holds her arm up, and the kids just go like that, and it goes, oh, oh. <laughs> Okay. But the, the initial physical evidence, it's not the only evidence. You, you'll recognize that when somebody's filled with the Holy Spirit, God fills them with a lot of other things. But the initial evidence is speaking in other tongues. In Acts chapter 10, verse 43, he, Jesus, is, is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. And I'm just going to say this right here. Some of you need to do that today. You need to ask for forgiveness in Jesus' name and allow him to be the Lord of your life. And that sets you up to receive all that God has for you. Verse 44, even as Peter was saying these things, as he's preaching, as he's talking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. And the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. And then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? See, it's, it's, it's something that, that sets apart. You go, oh yeah, there it is. There it is. There's the receptivity of the Holy Spirit. And he's filling them. It's recognizable. It's a sound all its own. And God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit power. Amen. Let me move on to another myth. Praying in tongues is a waste of time because nothing is really happening in any way. And I don't understand what I'm saying. So why do it? Good question. The fact is, when you pray in the spirit, when you pray in other tongues, your spirit man is being strengthened and you're praying what God's spirit is prompting you to pray. You're praying the will of God. Jude 20 says, but you beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God wants to build you up, yourself, your spirit man getting stronger than your physical man. Amen. It's kind of like spiritual bodybuilding. He wants to pump you up. <laughs> Some of you are way too young to even know what that is. Hans and Franz. Okay. Where did that come from? 
But as you pray in the spirit, your spirit man is, is built up, strengthened. And then Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, in the same way the spirit, capital S, also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And there are moments when, when God prompts you to pray in the Spirit, and as you do, you're praying the perfect will of God for someone you may not even know. Or God may put in your mind someone to pray for and then prompts you to pray in the Spirit. And as you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying the perfect will of God. And then when that, that, that uh, urgency is gone, you quit praying and you move on to what you were doing because it's done. When we pray in the Spirit, we pray according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit lives in us as, as believers. When we invite Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, his Spirit resides in us. In the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body houses God Almighty. That's pretty mind-blowing. And when you're filled or immersed in the Spirit, He comes upon you, but He also flows out from within you. In John chapter 7, verse 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast... Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone, come on, somebody say anyone. anyone. If anyone is thirsty, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me, Jesus said. Come to me and drink. Because Jesus is the baptizer. He's the one who fills us. And he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit. John qualifies this. This he spoke of the Spirit, capital S, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, has Jesus been glorified? Amen. Absolutely. And so the Spirit of God has been given. Jesus went back, sent the Spirit, and here we are, beneficiaries of all that the Holy Spirit has for us. Now notice what he says here. Out of, from his innermost being, another translation says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. There's something that bubbles up from deep within you. Something inside your spirit, man. It's called the Holy Spirit, who already resides in you as a believer. Okay? Are you tracking with me? And so he's inside of you, but he wants to fill you. He wants to overflow. He wants to bubble up from deep within your spirit. For some of us, we think, if, if I could just hear the right words in my head and just say them, then I'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. When the reality is God's spirit lives in you as a believer and just wants to come out. It, it, he bubbles up from within you. And it's, it's a sound. 
that, that rises from deep within. Many of us get, we get, we try to figure it out. There's no figuring this out. There's just receiving the gift God has for you. It's like the gift of salvation. It's a free gift. What do you do with the free gift? Say, thanks. And you take it. You receive it. Right? Jesus wants to fill you with, your, with his Holy Spirit. And from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Myth. How are we doing on time? We're good. Myth. And this is a big one. I will lose control when the Holy Spirit comes on me. It's a fear that a lot of people have. I'm just going to get out of control. No, actually, you'll be more in control than you've ever been. Here's the fact. I have a choice whether I speak in other tongues or I speak in English. I have a choice. In 1 Corinthians 14, 32, the spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. Holy Spirit doesn't come on you and just grab you and throw you around, okay? In fact, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He won't force himself on you. He's waiting to be invited. Waiting for you to ask and to receive. The uh, 1 Corinthians 14, the, the spirit, in fact, the, the word translated spirit there is pneuma, which is the same word for the Holy Spirit. The spirit is subject to the control of a person speaking the words that God wants them to speak. And there's no out of control here. You're in full control. In fact, that's, that's why you have a choice and you have to choose to speak in a language that you've not learned. And that's why the Apostle Paul said to not quench the Holy Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, he says, rejoice always. He's given some instructions here. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. So you can. You can quench. You can turn off. You can shut down the Holy Spirit. You have that prerogative. But Paul encourages us not to do that. Because everything the Holy Spirit has for you is all good. Because he's a good gift. Just look at your neighbor and say, he's a good gift. The Holy Spirit is a good gift. Tell your other neighbor, the Holy Spirit is a good gift. Because you forgot that other person. Tell them, the Holy Spirit is a good gift. God has good gifts for you. Amen. Amen. What a great crowd on Memorial Day weekend. Thank you, Jesus, for the nasty weather. 
Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. Don't get all, all up in arms and get your pants in a wad over prophetic utterances. But examine everything carefully. And what do you do? You hold fast to that which is good and you abstain from every form of evil. He calls us to judge. He calls us to, to figure things out and, and bring it up against the word of God. Okay? Myth. Are you okay? More myths? Myth. I won't have any more problems after I'm baptized in the spirit. Myth. Fact. You will still have earthly issues. But you have 24-7 access to all that God is so you can deal with every problem, every situation, every circumstance that arises. Amen. God's wisdom and guidance is yours for the asking. As he's filled you with the Spirit, his still small voice. And the more, more you spend time in his presence praying in the Spirit, the more you're able to recognize his still small voice, that, that whisper in your spirit. John 16, verse 5, Jesus said, But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. Not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the paraclete won't come. If I do go away, I will send him to you. And also notice that Jesus, the Holy Spirit is a him. H-I-M, not H-Y-M-N. Him, I will send him to you. And John in verse 7 says, uses the word paraclete for the Holy Spirit, which means advocate, helper, encourager, intercessor, counselor, one who comes alongside. The Holy Spirit is our personal coach. We have 24-7 access to God himself. Hallelujah. And listen, if, if you... If you you need a helper, that means you're in trouble. If you need somebody interceding for you, that means you've got some issues going on. If you need somebody to come alongside you, that means you're in an issue where you need some help. And the whole the name of the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, is one who comes alongside, counsels us. When do you need counsel? When you don't know what to do. When you're in a mess. He counsels us. He intercedes for us. He comes alongside of us. He helps us. He encourages us. And I don't need encouragement unless I'm discouraged. Come on. So yeah, you've got issues, but you have 24-7 access to the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 12. I have much more to say to you, 
more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Whoa, seriously? Because he knows what's yet to come. He will guide you because he knows what's down the road ahead of you. And if you'll just listen to the Holy Spirit, he will keep you out of a whole lot of mess. We get ourselves in a lot of mess, but as we listen to the Holy Spirit and listen to his promptings and his voice, his still small voice, he will show us what is yet to come. And he will glorify me, Jesus said, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit guides us as we read the word of God. He illuminates truth. He makes things come alive. The Holy Spirit always agrees with the word of God. He never disagrees with, with God's word. And so he's a good gift. He wants to give you everything that he is. Okay, myth. I don't have to do anything in order to speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit will just grab a hold of my tongue and make it work. The reality is, the fact is, you have to speak as the Spirit enables you. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We talked last week about why tongues. What, what's, what's the big deal about tongues? And let me just go over this one more time real quickly. James chapter 3, verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed, have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Only God can do that. And when God has control of your tongue, when you give him full access to the tongue, then he's able to steer you wherever you need to go. He's able to send you in the right direction away from peril and harm. Just like a ship where the pilot says, uh-oh, something's coming, let's go around it. So he uses the little rudder in the back. Now we got the steering wheel, right? But it, it, it's, it's just driving the little rudder. And God wants to pilot your life as you yield yourself to him. And here's the deal. If I can trust God to guide my tongue with language I've never learned, how much more can I trust him to guide my learned language? 
as he prompts me to be his witness. And that's the whole deal. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Once when he was eating with them, Jesus commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel, restore our kingdom? What about the end times, Lord? He said, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know, but here's the deal. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, where you're at right now, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just for experience sake. The Lord wants to fill you. He wants to empower you to be a witness for him. He wants to give you the ability that he gave Peter on the day of Pentecost to speak to anybody about anything because his spirit is prompting you. God wants to use you to bring his forgiveness, his healing, his deliverance to someone else. He wants to send you on mission to your world with his power. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Debbie Grant, come here real quick. Most of you know this, this amazing lady, but you know her as she is now, not what she used to be. I never knew her back then. I've just heard the stories. But God radically changed this Catholic. And, and you, you kind of were like this with the Holy Spirit. Tell, tell us about that. It's funny, I just told this story to some friends this week, although it happened so long ago. In 1992, I was so desperate for God because I was just in a such, such a desperate situation that he led me into an assembly of God. Never heard of an assembly of God, but I'd gone in. And the Holy Spirit that, that morning just bathed me. And I knew it was right. I knew it was where God wanted me. Now, while I was in the Catholic Church, I had read through the Bible three times. So as I'm sitting in this Assembly of God Church, I hear tongues. First time in my life that I heard audible tongues. And I thought, okay, that's cool. That's biblical. But you just keep your tongue talking self over there. And I will sit here in my pew and we'll be good. And I even confessed to my friend Lynn, because we were on the same trajectory with God. She was brand new out of the Catholic Church. I, had, I said, Lynn, I, I have a confession to make. She said, what? I said, I, I don't want to speak in tongues. She goes, well, I don't know about that, but I never want to go up to the altar and lay on the floor like some of the people. And we would giggle. You know, and so we were telling God, hey, you know what? This is good. I know I feel your spirit. This is good right here. My fear was that I would be in the grocery store looking for pancake mix and all of a sudden I'd be going blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, uh-uh, no, 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 don't want it, don't want it. But little by little, God was, even though I kept telling him, no, 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 his grace was greater. And little by little, he started drawing me and drawing me. And I went from, I don't want it to, it's kind of cool over there, to, well, if it's a gift, how come I don't have that? So I would read 
and I would pray. And then one Sunday night service, I believe in 1993, it was a Sunday night service. I was sitting in the pew and our pastor was baptizing the Holy Spirit. And Lynn and I were sitting next to each other. She said, are you going? I said, nope. So you got, nope, okay, we're gonna sit here. And as it went on, the spirit of the, the Lord was so strong in the place that I just looked at her, I said, I'm gone. So I got up, I got up, I went down the aisle. It was my pastor and uh, some, cause some other people were baptizing. And I was, I was anxious, nervous, excited, you know, to, to have more of God that I went up to my pastor and I said, so, um, so, so what do I do? And he said, Debbie, I want you to praise God like I watch you on Sunday morning. And, and I, yeah, just bubble. I said, in what language? And he goes, do, do you know any other languages? <laughs> and I looked at him, I went. So he goes, just praise God. And as he gently put his hand on my head, this, it felt like a million God, I, there, it just felt like I was scrubbed from all the pain, all the hurt, everything I did, everything that was done to me was just scrubbed. And then out came this language and I couldn't believe, I felt like I was on a cloud. I couldn't believe that all the time, I don't need it, I don't want, I, he, was so, he was so graceful, so gracious to me. And that was my transition from keep yourself over there to, hmm, to this power is incredible. And it is a gift. It is a gift from our holy God that you want. You'll just want it. Hallelujah. Amen. Just bow your heads for a second. And... Maybe you're here this morning and things aren't really right with you and God. And, and God is, is talking to you and you feel it deep inside. And the first step to receiving all that God has for you is, is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I want to offer that to you today. Forgiveness of sin brought into the family of God. The promise of heaven for eternity. If that's what you need today, I want to pray with you. All right? If that's you, just slip your hand up high and so I can recognize you're here and say, I, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. I need that forgiveness of sin. I need that cleansing of my life. All of this room. As God speaks to you, you just want to respond to him. And say, I want what.